0: I want to talk to you um, about the feeling of incompleteness. Are you feeling incomplete? Are you feeling insufficient? Here's a sensation that's affecting a lot of us. Because oftentimes... Things do not go according to plan right now in our world because of this global pandemic. We are all participating with, whether we like it or not. Um, plans are changing. Uh, things feel like they're not enough. What we're all doing isn't enough. It feels like we're in an uphill climb. It feels like it's only headwind. It feels like it's all uphill from here. It feels like we need to we need to try better and do more and and help more people and. There is a sinking sensation that a lot of people are facing within our community and around the world, and that is, I'm not enough. I'm not complete. I feel incomplete. And so I want to explain to you why I think you might be having some of those feelings. And what we're going to try to do in the next several minutes is show you that you actually are complete by simply putting your faith in Jesus, You are far more complete than you think you are, and um, you're going to be shocked at what's available to you in the person of Jesus. Somebody say amen. All right. Um, What do we do? What causes that sensation that we're not enough, we don't have enough, we don't do enough? Um, we don't have enough expertise. We don't have enough gifting. We don't have enough care. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough education. We don't have enough exposure. We don't have enough involvement. We don't, we're not a part of the solution. We only sit around and gossip and opinionate and, 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 and commiserate, um, but we never make a difference. And if you're like me right now in the world, there is always something we could or worse, we should be doing that we're not doing. And so a lot of us feel like the dot, dot, dot is how we end most of our days. Our days rarely maybe end with the nice period of a life well lived and a day lived to the fullest. It seems like most of our days kind of fade into night and end with a dot, 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 dot. And we wake up to maybe more negative news and outbreaks and catastrophes and natural disasters. And I don't know about you, but recently, um, and I certainly would never tell you which natural disaster it was to in no way minimize natural disasters and the loss of human life. What's more important than human life? But I, like you, get notifications on my phone. And last week or a couple of weeks ago, I must admit, I got another notification of a natural disaster that destroyed people's lives. And I think it went something like this. I, what? Hello? Like I don't know how much more we can take. It's like that dot, dot, dot. You go to bed at night, and if you have any care and concern for the well-being of your fellow man in the world, you fear what you might wake up to. You fear the news and notification on your technological device and what you might be told of what beautiful city or wonderful, important country or continent is going through Upheaval. Um, are you jumpy like me? I'm jumpy now. I'm like, people, are, ah, like you hear a noise, you're like, ah, you know, because everything is just uh, yesterday on the plane. Um, I was getting uh, sparkling water because I'm a man of God. I only drink sparkling water. And, uh, <laughs> and um, I accidentally, I was, I was uh, reading my Bible. I was watching a show on Netflix. But, um, and I, I something about the show, and I hit the can that was empty of seltzer water, sparkling water, and it flipped over and landed on the plane. And everyone, everyone was like, ha! You could tell everyone just kind of jumped. And I'm like, we're all jumpy. We're all jumpy. We're all on edge, we're all just a suspended music note wondering what will come of the day, what will come of tomorrow, are we okay? Are we gonna make it, are we gonna live? Is this real, is it not real, what's real? What, what do I believe, what do I not believe? And to say the least, there can be a sensation of I, I, I don't know enough, I'm not enough, I don't know if I'm up for the task ahead. Feeling incomplete. Let me read a scripture to you. At this point, you're like, okay, Judah, we get the problem. We're living in it. Could you give us some answers here? That'd be really nice. Is this going to be one of those uplifting sermons? Or um, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to this. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us. Hold on a second. Come on. Let's read this together. Everything that goes into life, a life of pleasing God, has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we've ever received. And we could go on in this verse, but I'm going to read it again. Everything that goes into life, a life of pleasing God, has been miraculously given to us. Everything that makes you complete acceptable and pleasing to God has been completely given to you in the person of Jesus. I'm gonna say it again. When it comes to your spiritual state, maybe not your spiritual maturity, but when it comes to the state, the standing, the position, the posture of your relationship with God, hear me when I say this, you are complete. You are not incomplete, And the sinking sensation that you are incomplete. Now, listen, when it comes to the task at hand, how about national policy, national policy? Like I am incomplete when it comes to national policy. That's why I'm not running for any job where I institute national policy because I'm not good at that. So, by the way, if you go to coffee with me, I won't tell you what I think the national policy should be because I'm working on church home policies, and you guys are hard enough, okay? Like this, like, I, I don't do national policy, so that's not really my right. So there's a lot of things I don't feel like I measure up or have the capacity, ability, talent, but but I want you to know in the deepest core of your being in your spiritual soul state, you are complete, lacking, no good thing. For God has given you all things pertaining to life and godliness, which is another translation of Second Peter chapter 1. I want to read it again. Everything that goes into the life of pleasing God has been everything, everything, Everything has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we ever received. You are complete. Now, you would do well every day to tell yourself when it comes to your relationship with God, you are completely pleasing. You are completely approved. You are completely accepted, and you have complete communion, friendship, and relationship with God that is unbroken forever. So when we say things based on our feelings like, I just feel like God is so far, you need to know that is nothing more than a feeling. It's not true. God is not far from you. That would be inconsistent with the teachings of Scripture. He is as near to you as your next breath. So we're going to be working from the premise of 2 Peter in chapter 1. And Here's what I'm going to do for the next few minutes. I want to give you three of the primary reasons I think we keep feeling incomplete. And here's the challenge with feeling incomplete. If you remain as someone who feels incomplete, insufficient, not strong enough, not smart enough, not sharp enough, what ends up happening is you will focus on self-improvement and self-performance, and that's not where the power is to live for Jesus. That's not where the power is. You don't need Jesus. You can get that from motivational speakers. You can get that from a TED Talk. If you're just looking for energy to improve yourself, you have come to the wrong venue. My job is not simply to exchange energy with you or even mere concepts of wisdom to implore you to try harder and do better. We are here on one basis and one basis only, and that is if there was a human being named Jesus of Nazareth, born in a barn, who claimed to be fully God and fully man, predicted his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and did exactly, 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 exactly how he predicted it, then I say we all stand still, stop all of our commiserating and all of our opinionating and let's step back and go, let the man who claimed to be God and proved to be God by beating death, let him speak. And let us hear from him and let us recall again who he is and what he's done and how he's changed the world. So our focus here at Church Home is the performance of Jesus. Jesus. Our focus at church home is the sufficiency of Jesus. Our focus at church home is the lordship of Jesus. Our focus at church home is the control of Jesus. Our focus at church home is like the book of Colossians. He is the focal point of the universe. We believe everything was created by him. Everything was created through him, and everything is for him, and everything is under him. Yeah. And sometimes I think dolphins know better than me. And I'm not talking about those Miami dolphins because they don't know. (laughs) But I am talking about mammals and animals know we are here to serve at his leisure. It's the human being with the constructs in the image of God with the ability to free will choose that we have denied what oftentimes uh, the elements and nature itself sees as clear as day. He is the point of it all. He is the point of it all. Why, why, why am I, why don't I feel like everything that goes into the life when it comes to pleasing God has been miraculously given to me by Jesus? Why do I not feel like I have everything pertaining to life and godliness? Why don't I feel righteous? Why don't I feel accepted? Why don't I feel approved? Why don't I feel loved? Why don't I feel forgiven? Why do I? feel shame why do I second guess myself why do I feel are you like me are you socially out of practice have you had conversations with people recently that you hadn't seen in a long long time because you weren't supposed to and then you started talking and you're talking over yourself and you're talking over each other and it's wonky and it's discombobulated because you can't even have a good conversation right now we're so out of practice we we'll gonna talk about feeling incomplete we got a global problem, and we're told, stay home. Think about that. And what's in us is to get out and fix it. So the truth is, to an extent, we're all feeling a little bit like, what, are, we, are we, do you think we can solve this? Do you think we can get through this? Are we ever going to get past it? What about the variance? What about the ever-increasing? C- can we do this? And if we're not careful we take the common sensations and feelings of culture and we translate it into our spiritual life and we start to tell ourselves or we start to accept the sensations and feelings that we are not complete and we have not been given full righteousness, approval, and access to God. And if we act like we aren't, our life starts to be lived like we aren't. And it's a lie. It's not true. It's not true. You are Loved and accepted based on whose performance, not yours, Jesus. Jesus' performance is the focus. Why do I feel so incomplete? I'm going to tell you about an an erroneous teaching in scripture, and I'm going to show you why it's erroneous. And that's my first observation of why we feel incomplete is what I'm going to call the confession teaching, the confession teaching. Here's what happens. We start feeling like we're not enough. We start screwing up, or we have that secret sin we won't tell anybody about. We all have shortcomings. Oh, and by the way, I don't care what anybody ever tells you. Everybody's got something they don't want somebody to know. And if anybody tells you any different, um, you just need to know that they're not telling the truth, but they're just trying, okay? So they're trying. They're just projecting, but they're trying. Because the truth is, we all got something we hope somebody doesn't find out, I. I'm embarrassed, I'm not, I'm weak here. You know, the Bible makes it clear that we all have weaknesses. We all have weak spaces and places in our soul and our heart, proclivities towards selfish acts that hurt us and and others. So here's what happens. Though the scripture says we are complete, lacking nothing, fully righteous and accepted, this, this begins to sneak into our teaching. Check out this scripture. I believe, guys, is it First, is it first John or it might be James again? First John 1.9. Here is confession teaching. We're going to look at this. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There it is. There it is. There it is. So when you feel incomplete, you feel like what you need to do is confess. So here's what we do. We're like, okay, I, I, I got stuff. I, I'm embarrassed. Okay, what I need to do is I need to go find somebody to confess to. Now, the reason we think we need to do this is because I'll feel better and I'll feel more accepted by God. Um, but that's not accurate. If we confess our sins, comma, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, from all unrighteousness. Now, if you look up this word confess in the original language, do you know in no way, shape, or form does it insinuate that this is going to be a particular practice connected to you remembering the dumb thing you did in 89? In no way does this scripture insinuate that if 2021 is going to be forgiven, you have to remember everything to confess. Now, what's funny is there are many people in this room who truly believe when it comes to Jesus that you have to confess your faults. We just failed to expand it to it's like the largest, you know, direction it will go, which is like, wait, I have to remember every sin. And this is what Christians will tell you who believe in this in this confession teaching. They'll be like, um, well, just the ones God reminds you of. Okay, okay, wait, hold on a second. So, if I don't remember the sin, it's forgiven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you do remember the sin and you don't confess it, that one's not forgiven. Sounds like we're the Savior. Sounds like confession is what saves you, not Jesus. So, which saves you, Jesus or confession? You know what this word confess means? I'm gonna tell you exactly what. If we confess our sins, here's what that phrase actually means in the original language. It means if you are willing to admit that you sin and you're pretty good at it and you do it on a, I'll go with a semi-regular basis. That feels a little bit better, doesn't it? A regular basis would have been taking it a little too far. Some of you look very sanctified. This verse literally means this. If we're willing to say, I'm a sinner. I do mean stuff, ugly stuff, bad stuff to myself, to others. I have fallen short of God's standard. What's God's standard? Be holy. Be consistent. In other words, be the same person every day through and through, inside and out. Same, same, same. Guess what? I'm inconsistent. I'm not the same. I project one thing. I'm something totally different internally. I've been there. I see the delta and the disparity within my own life, public, private, Uh, seen unseen all of the disparity in all of our character in our life and the bible is not saying you've got to confess every sin and here's what happens when you believe the confession teaching you become more sin conscious than jesus conscious and there's no power there there's no power there there's no power there (laughs) you know what's wild is that guy, Zacchaeus. Y'all remember Zacchaeus? Wee little man was he. Zacchaeus, evidently, one of the main things we know about him is that he's short. Poor guy's gonna be in heaven. We're gonna be like, oh, it's Zacchaeus. You know, like. (laughs) And get Zacchaeus and Shaquille O'Neal together in heaven just for fun. You know, like. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Zacchaeus is a deplorable person. Zacchaeus steals money from his own people, the Jewish people, to give money to Rome, and any amount of money he illegally takes from people, he can pocket it for himself. He is an abuser, he is a user, and he particularly destroys the life of elderly Jewish people. This man has no heart. And the Bible says, Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus, I gotta go to your house for dinner. By the way, who you ate with is who you accepted. And the Bible says Jesus ate with Zacchaeus in a picture window so people could see it. He meant to do that. And, you know, just a few short hours with Zacchaeus. We're not told exactly what happens, but just a few short hours with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus stands up at the dinner party and he says, I need everybody to understand everything I've stolen. I'm going to give back triple time, triple time, triple time, triple time. So here's my question. Do you think Jesus sat at that dinner with Zacchaeus and said, by the way, I've done the calculations. Do you know how much money you've stolen? In fact, Zacchaeus, I have counted up how how much money you've stolen from little old Jewish ladies. It's despicable. And I want you to remember every dollar you have stolen. And until you confess it to me, there will be no forgiveness for you, slugger. That's not how the story goes. In fact, we're not even told what happens. We're just told that Zacchaeus stands up and he's like, I'm gonna give it all back! In other words, what I've seen from this man, the love, the care, the fact he's at my table, I am going to change my whole life. What changed Zacchaeus? Sin consciousness or Jesus consciousness? Not pointing out his sins, not confessing his sins, just confessing that he was as broken and, 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 and slimy and sneaky as can be. And Jesus just sat there loving him. Can you imagine what he must have saw in the countenance of Jesus that at a party with all of his thugs, he stands up. He's a drug lord. He's a gang leader. He is. And he stands up and he goes, "The whole business is done. What business? The mafia thing we're doing? It's done. I'm not the mafia leader anymore and all of your income is gonna go away because I'm gonna give it away. I am telling you, that's what love does. Not confession. Some of you are so committed to your accountability partner. And I want you to know that your accountability partner is great, but accountability is overrated because people lie. Or is that just me? Can you imagine how many accountability partners I've had? Do you know how many times I've been asked to be someone's accountability partner? I'm a youth pastor, church. Can you imagine how many college guys called me late at night and said, pastor, will you be my accountability partner? It's like 3 a.m. And I'm going, I have a little baby. No, I don't want to be your accountability partner. Ask the Lord. (laughs) But I always told him, yes, yeah, yeah, call me anytime. Let's see their call. I'm gonna pretend I didn't see that, you know, like, I love, I love accountability because I'm like, hey man, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah, me too. All right, good talk, man. Talk next week. You, know, like, <laughs> you think this is about remembering everything to confess? And con- Look at James, James chapter five. Here's the confession teaching. Here's what real confession teaching is, and here's how it's to be done confession, first of all, to the Lord is like, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. And he says, I know every day, son, I make up the difference. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're broken. You know who you are. You know your weakness. When you're weak, then you're strong. I know you don't have to remember everything. It's already covered. It's already forgiven. And so then James says, so here's why we confess our sins to each other. Here's why I tell my accountability partner so that I can, my friend can pray for me and I can be healed. Wait, what? A confession isn't for forgiveness, it's for healing. And guess who's healed? Not your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is complete, totally healed and restored. You know what we need? We need healing with each other. I'm gonna be honest with you. Some of you have been confessing your racism to God. That's great, but what you should do is tell one of your brothers and sisters in community so you can pray for each other and start getting healed. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're already forgiven, but we need some healing to break out. And healing comes by, I want you to see me for who I am. Here's what I'm really going through. And community begins to swell. And the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you see this? So this is how it works. I meet with a brother. I don't meet one-on-one with ladies, just for clarification. These days, that needs to be clarified by your local church pastor, so that shall be clarified. Um, I love you ladies, but we won't be going to coffee, okay? But when I meet with guys, uh, I mean, I do meet with ladies with my wife or a team and staff. Okay, all right. It's like, Judah, we get it. Move on. Okay, here we go. It's 2021. I'm a little gun shy, okay? Um, <laughs> some clarity is needed here. Uh, so I, I, I go to a friend in church. I said, man, I, I need to, um, I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I just feel, I just need to be, I need to be healed in this area. Can, can you be praying? For me? Yeah, I'll be praying for you, man. That's amazing. And then it says, you're gonna pray for one another. And it says, connected to this connection in this moment, I want you to look look what it says at the end of this, just this one little portion. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Guess who the righteous person is? It's both people in the conversation who have accepted the free gift of forgiveness only through the person and performance of Jesus. So what it means is we get together knowing we're already complete with God knowing we're already righteous in our relationship with God because of the performance of Jesus. So now with confidence, I say to you as a righteous man, I'm, I'm short in this area. I'm weak in this area. And the Bible says two righteous individuals go right into the presence of God and say, God, we thank you that we're righteous, we're holy, we're acceptable, we're pleasing, and we're approved, and we ask for healing in our soul. And the Bible says there's a lot of power there. There's a lot of power there. There's a, Some of you waiting to meet with the preacher. There's a lot of power when you meet with your neighbor and your friend, and it's two righteous people, two fully accepted, approved people by the finished work of Jesus, by simply accepting and receiving that. You say to one another, hey, there's some incompleteness in me in terms of my lifestyle. I know I'm fully complete, but I wanted you to know so we could walk together. And that person is not to tell you how to fix yourself. That person should immediately go right into prayer. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. And there's power there, Jesus says. There's power there. So the confession teaching is for each other and so that we can see healing. Do you know you're a healing agent in this community? You're a healing agent. You're a healing agent. I want to set you free. Some of you have been busy trying to remember what you did in 1974. May God help you. Listen, if the Holy Spirit inspires you and says you need to go confess your sin to somebody, you go do that. But don't you for a moment start to believe that that confession is based on salvation, righteousness, or acceptance, because it's not. It's just your father wanting you to heal with your fellow brothers and sisters. Oh, how we need healing. Oh, how we need to share our journey with one another. And you do that from a complete, accepted position with Jesus. So we have the confession concept and the confession teaching that I think needs to be adjusted. Here's another reason I think we feel incomplete. Um, It is the control illusion. It's the control illusion. And here's the illusion, particularly because of our culture and the collusion in the life in which we live, we are told that we are the captain of the ship. We are told that we make the decisions for our life. We are told that if it's going to be, it's up to me. We are told that you get in, what you, you get out what you put in. And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, your surrounding environment tells you that you are in charge. And you are in control. Now, When things are going well, being the driver is awesome. I know this from plenty of road trips, which I hope to never go on another day in my life. Put yourself in the driver's seat and may God help you with the Smith family, okay? And obviously you can imagine the kind of driver I am, slightly distracted, I'm sorry, okay? But when I get into a conversation, I forget that I'm driving a vehicular machine, and I want to look back and connect with the people visually. Hey, you know, it's a nightmare. But boy, when you're making good time and you're almost to where you're supposed to be, everybody loves who's in control. But when all of a sudden you can't make heads from tails and you don't know if it's left or right or where you are, or where you're headed or what's going on, everyone wants to take shots at the driver. So here's what I suggest. Now would be a really good time to relinquish the illusion that you're the driver of your life, because when things get good again, you will resist the temptation again to take the wheel. You're not in control. I mean, like, like, like physically, you're not in control. Like physically. Did, 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 did you tell your body how to work this morning when you woke up? Now, brain, I need you to fire blood. Let's go. Liver, clean. Pancreas, come on. Here we go. Let's go. All right, get it flowing. Here we go. I mean, did, did all your organs need a, a staff meeting this morning? Did you call them into the conference room and you're like, honestly, honestly, spleen, what do you do? That's what we want to know, Right like vertebrae for one season of our life just be straight for now okay just be straight for now right like in skin honestly it wouldn't it wouldn't be too bad if you were a little bit more elastic during this season okay like no your body just how control how in control are you does it ever occur to you that maybe the dumbest concept in the human history is that I'm in Control. <laughs> I'm in control? Of what? They cut my eyebrows this morning before I came on stage. And Casey, wherever she, Casey, right over here, known Casey for years and years, and Casey's like, wow, your eyebrows are out of control. And I was like, Well, there you go, I can't even control my eyebrows. She's like, You're gonna really have to manage these as you get older. And I was like, you know what, Casey, relax. I can't control my eyebrows. (laughs) But isn't it funny? We're going to control the country. We're going to control our kids. We're going to control our business. And so that sensation of incompleteness, and so what kicks in? If you're a type A driven world beater, entrepreneur, you're like, here we go. And you turn your family into boot camp pandemic's an opportunity. I love all these people who are like, this is an opportunity. And I'm going to make good on my, like, there's two kinds of people. People who think the door is closed and people who think the door's open. For me, the door's always open. We're walking through. It's like, oh my gosh. That's ama- are you related to Tony Robbins? This is incredible. Like, I love this. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, people are either complainers or they're believers. And I'm a believer. It's like, that's how you're going to control everything. Are you believing. I tell you what I've learned in my life, Judah. A lot of people, this is their undoing. It'll not be my undoing. It'll be my blessing because I have determined, I put my faith in the Lord every single day. I tell the Lord, Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time I do that, God is true, God is faithful, and God is right. Some of these believers out here got to get more faith. oh. You sound like you're in control because I am. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Isn't it the fruit of the spirit? It's funny because the fruit of the spirit is turned into the fruit of the flesh. I'm just talking to Christians for just a second. Somebody like I brought a friend today, Judah. Don't do this. Do the stories and stuff and talk about those events you did with Justin Bieber. Don't talk about this. Like we trying to trying to tell my friend you're relaxed and fun. You know, like. Uh, Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Of the spirit. By the way, it never says plural. It's not fruits. It's fruit. It's all on fruit. And it it, it got nothing to do with you controlling yourself. Paul says, "I labored more abundantly than you all." Not I, but the grace of God gave me the energy, the stamina, the strength, fortitude, and the focus to go. You know what I've learned when I feel incomplete is I take the venom and the sting out by agreeing in this regard. When my body and my brain say control, control, manipulate, control. You can do this. You can figure this out. You can tweak this. I'm learning. Oh no, I can't. Oh no, I can't. Like here, here's some, here's some. Um, good. I, do I have another scripture about c- control? Guys, I got a couple of scriptures. I don't know if you, were, I don't remember what references they were, but they were good on. Uh, Ethan's like, bro, you can't even tell me a verse of scripture. What am I supposed to put up on the board? Nothing. I'll quote them, all of them. But the Bible talks about like in Ephesians chapter 2. See, I can remember. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, there it is. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. You know, if I could send all of you an engraved plaque to put in your kitchen, this is what it would say today. This is not your own doing. Remember those plaques? As far as me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. This is the plaque I wish for you. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing and I want people to come into your kitchen and go, what's that about? Oh, it's not my, what's not your own doing? Everything. What do you mean everything? A birth, (laughs) family, country, time of human history, none of my doing. Well, I mean, nah, it's not much of a well for me. It's just, it's not none of my doing. Yeah, but you're really talented. Yeah, that wasn't my doing. I, God gave me that talent. Yeah, but you really worked on it. God gave me the energy to work on it. I told a pastor the other day, I said, as long as you have this kind of energy, you build this kind of church because God's given you that energy. So you use it. God's given you energy. How much credit are you gonna take? Because of the level that you take credit is the level you believe you're in control. But the more you give it away, here's what what I'm trying. I'm trying to get to you some real biblical relief. I'm not in control. (laughs) Am I the only parent of teenagers in this room? I, I told my mom the other day, I was like, mom, was it hard raising me? She's like, you have no idea. And I'm like, relax with the breathy tone. Sounds like you're overwhelmed at the thought of it. It's over, mom, I'm raised. She's still learning that, but so is every mom. But I'm looking at these three humans that are temporarily under my care. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with these people? If we've learned anything about parenting. Parents who try to control, you can fill in the phrase. I mean, is there anyone here who's like, controlling parents are the best? I don't think anyone's ever said that. Because we know when you try to control another human being, has any good ever come from that? My job as your preacher, your isn't to control your behavior. I can't even control mine. Well, You know, Judah, we need to make disciples. You make disciples. I don't even know how to make disciples. God's still making me a disciple. I mean, I mean I'm trying to be honest. Like, I walk around town, people are like, Judah, you've made some good disciples. I don't really even know. I don't, I, I love Jesus. I love people. Like, I don't know if I can make any, I just, I, I don't think I'm in control. So, The the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, hey, we, we, we see you praying for a long time and it's really, it's like impressive. Will you teach us to do that long prayer that you do? By the way, his answer essentially was no. Did you know that? Jesus would pray for a long time and the disciples would watch him and wonder what he was saying. This is in the Bible. And so they said, can you teach us to pray? And so Jesus says, when you pray, just be there simply and honestly and your attention will turn to God and less on you. And then just pray this like our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he gives us like a prayer you can pray like in like 47 seconds. They're like, no, but it's how long you go. And he's like, it's, it's just because I have a lot to say. <laughs> We turned it into like an hour. You got to get in an hour with the Lord. Or you got to be in love and let the hours turn into days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months, years. I mean, I pray without ceasing. No, that's just called chatting with God throughout the day, right? And like just, hey, God, you're in control. And I just trust you. I, am I the only one that's starting to wonder? If if we're not careful, we're going to run the risk of trying to be our own Savior around here. Well, I think when you do this and when you do this and everybody has an action plan, everybody has steps, and everybody, and everybody. One of my favorite things to say right now to God, and now I'm going to say it to you at the risk of you going, I think he's telling the truth. I don't know. It feels so good. Someone's like, hey, Judah, what do you think is gonna happen? I don't know. (laughs) Do you wanna pray? I guess. Well, for me, it's more than a guess. It's kind of all I got right now. Oh, God! Help! (laughs) Aren't we just broken and contrite spirits? Aren't we just people that are like, hey, God, you're in control. I trust you. I need you. Look at what Philippians says. Philippians, chapter four. Am I right, Ethan? Look at that. I got so much scripture. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. Look, it's right. There it is. There it is. I thought you'd be proud of me. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this scripture. How ridiculously illogical is this scripture? Hey, man, give everything to God, and then supernatural peace will just pervade your entire being. Why? Because anything happened? Did anything get answered? Has anything changed? Has your surroundings? Has your square footage? Has your rent? Has your errands? Has your food bill? Has your How about the dentist? How about the insurance company isn't going to cover the cavity? My kids have three cavities. None of us went to the dentist. Sorry about that, Lord. Wait, there's no mention of the dentist. There's no mention of retirement. There's no mention of income. There's no mention of a job. There's no mention of answers. There's no mention of resolve. There's no, you just said, if we pray, in and we would just get peace. Oh. Do you ever think like you're asking stuff that God like never guaranteed and then you get mad at him for not delivering? God, I need a spouse this week. If you love me. Isn't it funny? We're in control um what was her name she was the she was the missionary uh corey, K- K- corey Tinboom boom uh, i got i got her name wrong but she said this she was a, a wonderful missionary she said um when you're on a train and you go into a tunnel you don't get your things and get off the train no matter how dark and long the tunnel is you sit still trust the engineer. And we got Christians everywhere. On the proverbial train talk about kids get your stuff. We are going to go vote. Kids, you get your stuff. We are going to go to another church that stands for righteous. Come on, let's go. And we're just busy trying to fix you know what we need to do? We need to homeschool our kids, babe. We need to homeschool our kids. My friend last night goes, the worst thing my parents ever did for me was homeschool. And I was like, I homeschooled my kids. Okay, great. You know, I'm like, is your plan that good? You got it all figured out? Or are you more like me? I know less today about God, but what I know about God has never been more real. Be still and know that I am God. I wonder if the inverse is true. When we're not still, are we trying to be God? Is that what we're doing? Going here and there and everywhere, busy in ourselves. Trying to appear like we have control, like we gotta spin the plates, like we gotta make this happen. One of my favorite prayers to tell God is this was your idea. This is on you. You gave me the gifts, you built the church, you put us where you put us in the years you put us in. I'm 42 in 2021, evidently for a reason. If I was supposed to be 12, I would. If I was supposed to be dead, I would. If I was not supposed to be born yet, I wouldn't. I think he's got a plan. I think control is way overrated. It's overrated. I think letting go of control is hugely underrated. Like, why do I even have a bottle? I never drink it. It's just for appearances. So you think I'm a hydrator. Think I'm a hydrator. Lastly, I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think the confession teaching we have to be honest about. I think the, the, the control uh, 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 concept we have to be. And then, and then lastly, um, I'm really concerned because I think we're incomplete because there's a, there's a concept of caring that is not at all realistic or sustainable. Technology has done a very interesting thing to our brains. We are bordering on, um, how should I say, we are bordering on omniscience. What's omniscience? Omniscience is the all-knowing nature of God. See, God is all-knowing. God's all-knowing. God knows everything that's going on in the earth all at the same time. And do you know why? It's because he has the character and the capacity to contain omniscience. He is never not knowing. Hear me. He's never not knowing. There's no news to God. There's no news. There's no updates. There's no notifications. He is the news. He holds things all together, the Bible says, through him, by him, for him, unto him. He he is the shepherd of our soul. And the Bible says we are the sheep of his pasture. Here's the challenge. We are busy trying to play shepherd when we're still needing to focus on just being a sheep. You're a sheep, which we've said this before, is one of the dumbest animals in the animal kingdom. Thanks for that one, Lord. We're the sheep of his pasture. He's the shepherd of our soul. He's all knowing. I think we've got a care concept that only belongs to the divine. And here's the care concept. I want you to think about the sustainability of the teachings of Jesus. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, and we don't have time now, Matthew chapter 6 will tell you he's Jesus teaching now. He says out loud, he says, you're so worked up about so many different things. You're worked up about stuff that hadn't even happened yet. He says, listen, I take care of the little bird called the sparrow. I take care of the daisy in the field that nobody sees. It it, it pops out of the ground and then it goes away. Listen, you are more concerned of me than daisies and sparrows. I'm going to take care of you. But watch what he does. A sustainable teaching. He says, what I want you to focus on is the day. Your day. But we now, because of this new care concept, we are led to believe that we must care about everyone, everything, and every country at the same time. And I am here to announce you are not God and neither am I. And I am trying to give you biblical license not to be less empathetic or less compassionate or less caring. I actually think this global care concept is fatiguing us at a level we're unwilling to admit. And now I don't have the energy and capacity to love my neighbor in front of me because I am inundated by tragedies from strangers that have never been in front of me. And i would simply like to suggest some of those strangers need to be in front of you but most of them were never meant to be god put you here right now at the same time so there are quite literally neighborhoods cul-de-sacs and communities we are called to make ourselves available to serve and care for but we now have a device that leads us to believe we're to care for the I wonder if we sang a song in 2021, it would go like this. We have the whole world in our hands. We have the whole, whole world in our hands. We have the whole world in our hands. Why do we have the whole world in our hands? Hey, did you hear what happened to your neighbor? Don't tell me. I can't deal with this. Why? You didn't hear? Over there, that country, they're in a week. Oh, I'm the only one who's laughed and then realized that there were people in the room that were like, you should feel guilty for laughing. And you're like, I don't minimize what you're, I just, um, I can't care for everybody. God, what do you want me to do? Son, I already told you. Love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Um, the people right in front of you. Like, I, we don't have to debate this one, church. Like, I, if you disagree with me, I'm right and you're wrong. You, you, your neighbor is the people right in front of you. I didn't say the people you like. I didn't even say the people you hang out with. I said the people right in front of you. It's right in front of you. Where do you work? Let me introduce you to your neighbors. Where do you live? I'd like to introduce you to your neighbors. <laughs> What are you suggesting? Care for the people in front of you? And the people that are not in front of you? Trust God. That we, it's, it's real quiet in here, because we're like, well, I think we should also, oh, 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 we're going to get in the mix. It's too late for church home. We're going to change prison reform. We're connecting right now with companies and organizations. We are going to change broken systems in this. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please, there are some open doors. God's like, I want you to insert here, I want you to get involved there, I want you to do this. This is great. We we got we got we got we we, we make no small plans with a God who's in control. But see, I think what God's trying to say is love the people right in front of you. And 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 all of this undue pressure that makes you feel like you're not enough, I am asking you by the grace of God to give it back to Him, because it's His. Yes. I'm so serious right now. I've given countries to God in prayer. God, I need I need you to take Haiti right now. Because two hundred seventy people I'm like, God, what in the world do you want us to do? I want you to trust that I got children in Haiti. I want you to love the people in front of you. What do people think? I don't love Haiti. You trust me with that. All right. So you like me, it's like if I just love the people in front of me, I'm going to get criticized for not loving the people beyond me. And that's scary. But are we overwhelmed? Is not the mandated mission of God to love our neighbor. But remember what it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So much has been made of this statement because we think that it's about loving ourselves and then loving. What it is, it's about understanding how much God loves us. We accept and love ourselves when you realize the love and forgiveness and imputed righteousness of Jesus. When it says love yourself, it literally means I want you to give yourself to the meditation and the murmurings and the mutterings about how much Jesus loves you. You know the kind of Christians I need right now? I need Christians who will remind me how loved I am. I need Christians who will remind me how righteous I am. I need the Christians to tell me how I'm compl- complete lacking no good thing when it comes to my relationship with God I have all things pertaining to life and godliness this whole thing was a setup God knew how old you'd be he knew your background your heritage he knew the neighborhood he'd put you in the city he'd put you in the friends he'd put you in the work he'd put you in as challenging and difficult as it may be I'm telling you, you are positioned exactly where you're supposed to be things things are bad but they're not as bad as you think (laughs) Do you think the band's going to come out anytime soon? Or do you think they're waiting for me? You know, like, do you think they're going to come? Band, okay. (laughs) We're going to sing. Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Obsessing over self, self self-improvement, self-performance? Come to me, Jesus says, which is to say my way is totally different. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Translation, I have given you everything you're going to need for the life I have appointed you to. I have not given you all that you need for the life I didn't appoint you to. Some of us are talking like presidents, but we were never called to be the president. You don't have the capacity to be the president and you should thank God for that. But what do you have to love your neighbor? To be loved by Jesus? How is this not an opportunity to experience Jesus at a level we have never experienced him before? I love you, church home. You're doing better than you think you are. I wanna remind you that on this particular day, you're sitting here giving yourself a hard time, talking about how you don't measure up and how you're not doing this. And you came here maybe worried about some secret thing in your life that nobody knows about and you're all frantic about it. I'm gonna tell you, hold on a second, hold on a second. You came here, man, on a sunny Sunday in Seattle, you filled an auditorium to say, I wanna know more about God. I think you're incredible. I think it's amazing, and I think God is so proud of you. I think He's so proud of you, man. There's somebody here and I don't know who I'm talking to, but you have been battling an addiction off and on for as long as you can remember in your adult life, and you think that your father is not proud of you. Is that what you do? Like any father. Who sees his son in pain? He doesn't love him? You think God's disgusted by your addiction? He's in love with you. And he's never been far. He's in love with you. He knows your brokenness. He knows your weakness. When did weakness become a sign of incompleteness? Weakness is a sign of intimacy and honesty. Weakness is God. Here I am. And he goes, son, I know. I will not pastor a church where people have to get rid of their addictions and their own strength. I only want to pastor a church where we get set free by Jesus. That's it. And I'm not saying there's not discipline. I'm not saying that we don't need each other. But where is the God who can set the captive free? Some of you came here today talking about, if I could hear a word from the preacher to tell me how to do better and try harder, I could get free. It is the Son that sets us free. It's the person of Jesus. So I, I, I want to be real, real clear. When I feel like once a month I fl- I I fly in or fly out or wherever I'm flying, and I fly in to cry now. I feel like my job as I fly to the Sabah Lake LA to cry. I fly up here on Sunday to cry. It's usually around this subject. And I just, I sit up here on Sundays, you know, when we get to be together, and I feel vibrating in my bones and my body. I feel the aching love of your Father for you. He's so proud of you doing the best you know how, didn't even know your dad. And you up here in God's house trying to learn about him. Listen to me. Thanks be to God who causes you to triumph. What he started, he's going to finish. Don't you give up. Would you give up? You think God's giving up on you? You think God's stopping? For it is God who works in you both to willing to do for his good pleasure. The Bible says, David says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of every one of his troubles. David says, early in the morning, I've come to seek you. I've sought for your glory and your goodness in the house of God. I have searched for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water and I have come searching for you. Some of you are thirsty, you are desperate, and you think your father won't fill you? and meet you? This is none other than the house of your heavenly Father. So here's what I'm believing. I believe God is this big and he's this real and he's this involved and he's this intimate and he's this close. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing through about three or four songs and they're going to be good. I know what songs we're going to sing and I'm believing somewhere in these songs you are going to fear. You are going to fear. You're going to feel The arms of your heavenly father wrapped around you, holding you and never letting you go. This is not the end. You hear me, church home? This is not your end. This is not the end. This is not the last chapter. This is not how your story ends. This is not who you are. You are not another statistic. You are not another storyline, just like everybody else in your family. That is not who you are. God is available to you jesus i thank you for the minutes and moments we share as a community and i sense your nearness in this room Your love is all too much to bear what a wonderful god you are who are you that you are mindful of me your ways are unsearchable you know no peer you're in total control and you know all things and you hold all things and you control all things and you lead all things and you work all things if you're here just before we start singing and you'd say Judah I would like to become follower of Jesus, I would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers on the count of three. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down, whether you're watching online or you're in the room. If you need the free gift of forgiveness, you can't earn it, deserve it, warrant it. You simply just receive it. By believing, you, re- you are receiving. You're saying, I accept that Jesus has done for me what I cannot do for myself, and that he is going to make me completely acceptable to God, completely righteous with God. On the count of three, if you want that, whatever you are watching or in the room, one, two, three, if that's you, just shoot your hand up all over the room. Thank you. Just shoot your hand up all over and I receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus, Jesus offers. God, I thank you we'll never be the same again. I thank you that forgiveness flows freely in church home. I thank you, God, whom the sun sets free, is free all the way, forgiven indeed, forgiven completely. Every error, every wrong, every selfish act, every sinful act is covered in the name of Jesus. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I cancel the assignment of guilt. I cancel the assignment of shame. I cancel the assignment of feeling like you're incomplete and you're lacking and you're not good enough and you're not strong enough, I'm telling you, you are hidden in Christ. You're a new creation. The transforming power of Jesus Christ is working in your body, working in your soul. We thank you for the freedom and the joy that we have in Jesus. If you're willing and able, would you stand to your feet? Come on, church home. In these minutes and moments, I believe we're gonna connect with our Heavenly Father. Come on.